Okay, guys. Uh, just by way of review, where we left off in our notes last week, excuse me, where we left off in our notes last, or last, yesterday, not last week, yesterday, uh, long conference. Uh, we are talking about the importance of corporate prayer. Um, you know, the reality is, is I, I, I do believe this, the, the, the church at MBT, we, didn't, we actually backed into planning a church. Um, I, I believe that the church really got planted because we were just praying to make disciples in the core, in the heart of our city, in Kansas City. And so I think it's a church that started through corporate prayer, and uh, that is has been critical. A couple of practical things about corporate prayer. We talked about how nothing at MBT is allowed to compete with us coming together on Tuesday night. Um, that is the time when the whole church must be able. Now, not everybody is. Some people have work schedules that don't allow them to do it. Others, they're thinking church is just, you know, they're new, they're growing. I'm going to, you know, I, I came on Sunday, I did my time, <laughs> and so uh, we're still working on them, and, 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 and for the people that have to work, we're always encouraging them, hey, let's get full of faith and trust the Lord for a better shift or a better job, and because uh, the church is meeting on Tuesday, let's come together and, 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 and worship together, let's call on the Lord together. So it is a time where everybody can come. Um, you know, the whole church must be able to come together. And so we're at a place where we're running out of room on Tuesday night. And, um, you know, that's just, you know, I mean, think about that. Your midweek service, you're running out of room um, to, to, to accommodate the people that want to come together and call on the Lord. Man, how awesome is that? And so one thing practically, uh, it's just a, a, a kind of a, a way that I roll on Tuesday nights, I, I try to think of it in terms of thirds, okay? A third of our time together, we want to, I mean, singing and worshiping and praising, that's kind of, it's prayer, you know? We're, we're singing praises to the Lord. We're declaring to Him who He is and what He has done. And so one third of our time, uh, it, it's got a beat. And it's praise and worship and testimony. And so uh, the other third is prayer, and I try to break that up over the, the entire course of our corporate prayer meeting. And so we'll sing a couple songs, and we'll have a season of prayer. Uh, we'll sing a song or two, and there'll be a, a, a specific prayer request that we're going to all join together on. Uh, there'll be some testimony, and we'll give praise to God. And then, and then, you know, sometimes, like we said yesterday, we'll have testimony night. Uh, but a third of the time needs to be prayer it needs to be testifying of what God has done. And then the last third, obviously, is preaching and teaching. We want to be biblical in our prayer. And so there'll be, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm normally aiming at 20 minutes. Sometimes I'll take 40 minutes, you know, if there's something that I feel like needs to be communicated clearly. Uh, there have been a few times in the corporate prayer meeting where we we, we got to get, you know, because the goal is in Matthew 18, it's, it's, um, Agreement in prayer. That's always the goal. The word agreement, it's symphono, which sounds like symphony. In other words, our, our, our prayers need to harmonize. <laughs> they need to sound out together. Um, and so when the Lord hears it, it you know, we, we need to be in agreement. And that's part of how we, we get what we ask. We're asking according to God's word. We're in agreement with that and with one another. And so we're calling on the Lord. 
sometimes to get to the place of agreement, that takes a lot of instruction. Does that make sense? And so there have been a few times where 95% of the corporate prayer time is instruction. You know, there have been a few occasions where I've spent an hour in the Word so that we can have five minutes of prayer in agreement. You know, the apostles, uh, you know, John, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray, and, and so here's this lame man. He gets healed, and he's praising God, and, and that starts the uproar, and basically the conclusion of the whole thing is, is this Sadducean-led hit team is saying, you're going to stop preaching in Jesus' name, or we're going to beat you bloody. So they go back to the church and they're like, hey, we're taking up the fellowship of Christ's suffering. This is great. They're rejoicing, but then they pray. And uh, the, the, the prayer is, you know, it's basically following a Psalms 2 outline. It's following the outline of the Lord's Prayer. And, and, uh, and, and, and they're sounding out. The whole church is sounding out together. You know, Lord, you said the heathen would rage. And, and they're, now they're doing it. And so give us boldness so that we can declare your word in the and the place where they were assembled was shaken, you know, and they declared the word boldly, and the disciples were multiplied. I mean, it was like a one-minute prayer. <laughs> but they got organized, and then they cried out to the Lord, and they had what they asked. And so there's times where you just got to follow the leading of God's Spirit for your congregation, for where you're at, what you're dealing with. And, and as long as we're praying in faith, as long as we're praying in agreement with God's word over God's kingdom, then we have what we ask. But as a rule, I'm, I'm aiming at thirds. So that's how we roll at Midtown. Maybe the Lord will lead you uh, in another direction with your church's corporate prayer ministry. But, but uh, one-third worship, one-third prayer, one-third preaching. Um, if you're going to get pastoral, it's one-third praise. That way they all start with quick P. One-third prayer, one-third preaching. Okay. Point number four, we got to equip the church to be led through biblical principles. Principles is your next blank. Okay, so MBT, we're not just pastor-led, and, and we communicate this regularly. Uh, yes, we're elder-led. We're pastor-led, but we don't want to just be pastor-led. We need to equip people to be biblically-led, and, and so key biblical principles help keep everybody together moving forward in ministry, and they free the leaders up from dependence on the pastoral team to personally owning the ministry. They want to personally own the ministry themselves, and so own is your next blank. So the, the result of this has been pretty brilliant. It's been great. Um, when I was, uh, you know, in the early days, I was the only pastor at MBT, and, and um, the church planter, and so that gives you a lot of, I don't know. I mean, like, you're the guy. When you plant a church, you're the guy. And everybody comes to you for everything. And people are, you know, if you're a discipleship ministry, people are quoting the Bible all the time. But they're also quoting you all the time. And so I noticed it was starting to tend unhealthy when people would talk to each other. Well, Pastor Miles says, I'm like, ooh, that's dangerous. I don't want us to be that kind of a church. Well, Pastor Miles said, Pastor Miles said, Pastor Miles, Pastor Sam said, who cares what Pastor Sam said? What does the Bible say? And you need to be able to parse that for yourself. Okay, so I recognized, um, you know, and, and I guess at the end of the day, if they're saying Pastor Sam says, as long as that's what the Bible says, we're, we're probably still in bounds. But it's, it's not healthy long term. And about that time, we ordained Pastor Best, and he became the second pastor at MBT. And so he and I sat down, and we said, okay, we don't want to just be 
pastor-led. We don't want everybody that's growing in leadership having to run to the pastor over everything. Let's give them the right way of thinking, biblical thinking, that lets them parse their questions through a, a biblical process or a biblical grid. I bet they can kind of come to the same conclusions that we come to. And, and, and so we talked through it and we said it needs to be obviously biblical principles, but they need to, in terms of scale, it needs to be as small as we can make it. Uh, it needs to be a small set of biblical principles that we can crow about and teach and proclaim all the time. We want to beat that into the DNA of our, our, our local church. We want it to be foundational to our thinking so that as long as whatever question you have or whatever you want to do in ministry, as long as it, it stays in the boundaries of these biblical principles, as long as it's following these biblical concepts or precepts, well, then you don't have to actually ask me anything. The answer is yes. Just you're free to minister about the building, about the community. Man, be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and, and follow the Lord. Just follow these biblical principles. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been so beautiful for us because everybody kind of knows the biblical principles. And, and now we've got We've got key values that everybody is unified around, and, and the result is, is it, it, it reduces a lot of, a lot of conflict. <laughs> um, you know, one of the principles is, is we protect unity. Um, I've, you know, even at the point where we're two or three years old, I've been in church work for a long time, and I see how devilish division is. Uh, sometimes division is biblical and it's godly it's hard it hurts but you got to do it you know sometimes we got to divide amos 3 3 we can't walk together if we're not agreed and and there are there are hills that you die on and there's a lot of hills that people die on that were just molehills and it's just stupid but you know they made a mountain out of that molehill and but you got to work through all of that um you know psalms 133 it's from our unity that god commands blessing over the lives of his people um, so Satan knows that the best he can do to undermine the work of a church is to get brothers and sisters sideways with one another. You've got a bunch of people that Christ bled out to redeem back from sin and to purchase and make part of his family. Okay, so it's like my kids. Um, I don't care who's right. I just want you to get along. <laughs> I mean, really, as a father, that's kind of how we're all wired. Um, okay, so you're right, and, and uh, he, what he did was really evil, and, 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 and you were probably justified in popping him in the nose, you know, but, but uh, oh, good for you, you know, you're right. No, I want you to get along. Uh, can't you just go after your brother's heart, you know? Uh, can't you forgive and forbear? I mean, what in the world? I, I just want my kids to get along. Like, I want that more than one of them righteously getting their way, you know? Well, it, uh, God's a father, and I think it's built, that, that mentality is built into every dad's heart so that we don't miss, um, you know, if, uh, if Pastor uh, Rock, you know, we, he and I, we get sideways with one another, I mean, there's probably a whole lot that I can just die to, and I can forgive, I can bear, you know, he doesn't actually, there's probably a lot of levels where he doesn't ever have to get right with me, I mean, man, this is somebody that that the living God bled out to purchase for himself. What that means is Pastor Brocker, he is like, 
like he is the most important thing in the universe, right? He is like the biggest deal in all of creation because Jesus shed, he, God gave everything to buy this man. Well, he gets to be a little bit of a butt. Uh, he, gets to, he gets to show his rear end. I mean, like, that, this, God moved heaven and earth for this man, and uh, he gets to have a bad day. He gets to despise me. I mean, who am I? I mean, what in the world? I mean, he gets to do all of that. This is a son of God. I mean, I, like, literally, my position needs to be just this shy of worship. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I mean, this is a son of the living God. He's a big deal. So he gets to, he gets to make a mess, and, and it's my privilege to clean it up. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, like if you can just kind of step back from your rights and your own person, you know, keep your me monster on a leash, all of a sudden you recognize there is nothing more precious to God than his children. That means God's children are precious to me. And so one of the principles that we just keep bringing up is your brother, if God's worth being right with, <laughs> Your brother, your sister, his children are worth being right with. In other words, the way that you're going to get me actually, um, well, the thing that I won't actually forgive or forbear is the mistreatment of my wife and kids. I'm not, you know, like you and I are going to have a talk. <laughs> you mistreat my wife and my kids. We're going to have a, we're going to have a, we're going to have a time, okay? Uh, don't mess with my family. I mean, I think that's built into, okay, okay but with, out any concern or care, you're going to just jack with one of God's kids. You're going to despise them. You're going to throw them away. Yeah. You're going to act like they don't matter. You're going to act like they're gum on your shoe, and you can just walk away from God's child. Mm. Just go ahead and spit in God's face while you're at it. You just go ahead and, and moon him. That's appropriate. You're just going to moon the living God like he's nobody, like he's nothing. Like, how, how dare you? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, it's a big deal to despise one of God's children. And so we talk about it in those terms. And, you know, still people have the ability <laughs> to hold crutches and get sideways with one another. But we made that very difficult at Midtown Baptist Temple. If somebody, you know, we protect unity. Unity around what? Unity around what God says. You know, unity around the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not unity for unity's sake. I mean, there is a biblical standard for unity. And we want to hold one another accountable to keep it. Uh, but we're, so help us God by his grace, we're going to keep unity because the devil knows the thing that grieves the father is when his kids are fighting. And how can he bless? How's, no, no father on earth is going to bless his children when they're fighting. Yeah. Oh, man, you really blacked your sister's eye. Yeah. I'm so proud of you, son. Come on, let's go get ice cream. <laughs> we're going to Disneyland. No dad does that. I mean, it's, he's... He's kicking butt and taking names. You know, that's how a father is going to respond uh, to that kind of wickedness in his family. Well, the same thing in the family of God. We, we, what God has called us to as a local church is completely beyond our ability to accomplish. We talked about this, I think, on the first day. I can't save anyone. I can't conform anyone to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing that God commanded over my life that I can actually perform. I can't do any of it. So God has to do it through me. Okay, so now I'm in this desperate situation where I've got to, to get full of faith. I've got to humble myself. I've got to trust God. I've got to get full of faith and trust God to do what only God can do in and through me as his child. I need the hand of the Lord on my ministry. It doesn't matter if I can, I mean, I can't preach good. I'm not a good speaker, um, but I can position myself where God will work through me. 
And then he does. Man, how awesome is that? To God be the glory. <laughs> That's amazing. He can take an idiot like me and actually use me to see souls saved and to see people conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, see people get fired up and get full of faith and start walking with God. I mean, that's a, God uses me to do that. It's just like the most amazing thing in the world. I, I literally see miracles every week of my life. God using me. Okay, so I can't let anything short-circuit that. So I don't get to throw Pastor Trotter away. You know, I waved, and he just kept right on walking. Well, it's because he despises me. That jerk. Just, like, you go from, like, something happened that, like, you know, the other party is completely oblivious to, and in, like, three heartbeats, you're full of evil surmising. How wicked, how presumptuous, how prideful to evilly surmise about what somebody else is thinking about you. Hello, they're not thinking about you. Get over yourself. They're too busy. They got their own problems, their own things. So just heads up. Unless you tell me we have a problem, you just need to know this about me. We don't have a problem. Because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not thinking about you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can barely keep up with me. <laughs> right? I mean, in other words, it, I'm just assuming that we're good until you inform me we're not. And, uh, and if I feel like you're, you're like all fuzzy against me or whatever, I'll just be, uh, my assumption is you're having a rough time or you're having a bad day. Uh, I'm so naive and clueless, or maybe even prideful, that there's no way it can be me. <laughs> because if it's me, you're going to tell me. And, and if you tell me, then it's like, uh, I, you know, um, maybe we need to have a fight. You know, I'm, uh, I can, I'll fight with you, you know, if that can help, you know, or whatever. But we're going to work it out, you know. You're my, in other words, you're my brother. And you're somebody that Jesus bled out. To, I mean, he literally purchased you with his life's blood. You're a big deal. Like, a, a, a big deal. You're the biggest deal in the universe. Now, don't you think that? It's my job to think that. It's not your job to think that. That's my job, right? Because you're God's child. That's precious. I can't, I don't get to throw you away, even if I don't like you, right? I don't get to throw you away. You are exceeding precious. So it's my job to serve you. Okay. It's from our unity. It's the family. It's the dad whose kids bring joy to his heart. That dad wants to take his kids to Disneyland. We're going to Orlando, kids. <laughs> I, mean, I want to bless you. So as a church, we've got to wise up, grow up, and recognize we protect unity. Okay, so that's one. I'm just giving you one example of how we communicate this different ways. You know, how we how we process this with people, because we need the blessing of God. <laughs> we, don't, we, we can't afford to waste our time being under discipline all the time. Let's just small ourselves. Let's get over ourselves, and let's esteem our brother better than ourselves. Hello, Philippians chapter 2 is not a suggestion. It's a command. And let's lay down our lives loving one another, because it's from our, it's from our unity, just like the, 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 the oil it comes down Aaron's beard all the way down his garments, down to the hem of his garment. It just covers him. You know, it's like the dew on the mountain that just covers everything. We need to be covered with the blessing and the anointing. We need the hand of God on our ministry. We can get along. We protect unity. So what that means is, I mean, Ephesians chapter 4, the, 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 that last verse, man, we need that. I mean, that's where it is. 
you keep applying forbearance and forgiveness as much as it takes because you're going to need it. Just keep stocking up on forbearance and forgiveness. And when things get sideways, man, pull out that balm and, and apply it liberally, man. You need that, okay? Because we can't afford for the Holy Spirit to be grieved. Satan knows a grieved Holy Spirit short-circuits the power of the church, and now we're not getting anything done for the kingdom. Does that make sense? So when you hear a brother or sister evilly surmising or talking smack, man, just say, hey, go talk to him. Just go talk to him. That's like, that's 90% of the solution. Yeah. If I think Joe is aggravated and hacked off with me, um, all I got to do is just go talk to him. It's like, hey, are we good? I mean, I, f- I feel like maybe you're upset with me about something. Can we ha- help me fix it? And 99 times out of 100, it's already fixed just with that statement. And whatever the problem is, it gets worked out, and you guys move forward, and everything's great. And then the father is like, man, I love my boys. How, how, how can I bless them? You know, that, we need that. And the devil knows that. And so he is always at work to sow division in the church, always. Uh, one of the, the last principles, ministry principle number nine, is we minister in light of spiritual realities. And if you don't think you're under attack, you're a fool. You're always under attack. And it's a psychops war. Like, we're not being strung up, right? They're not crucifying us. They're not, they're not, you know, it's not Braveheart. We're not on a rack and they're just, freedom! You know, none of that. Okay, it's a psychops war right now. And it's coming through media. It's coming through, I mean, and, and it's amazing. You would be shocked at how much evil surmising is happening in your local churches. And it needs to get, it's cancer. It's got to get rooted out. It's got to get dealt with. If we want to see souls saved and mission critical, we want to see disciples made that will go and make more disciples, uh, the body has to be healthy. So we protect unity. Okay? We know the devil is always at work. Um, so it's, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. You know, there are problems. We tell our people all the time, you think you see problems with Midtown Baptist Temple. You see nothing. Man, you, for every problem you can show me about MBT, I can top you with 10 more. I promise you, I see more problems than you see, okay? But if you see problems, that's good, because you have been, Ephesians 4, fit, God is fitly joining you to this body because you have a responsibility to build it up in the faith. Uh, the waves are crashing, and Satan's always working to get us distracted from our core, the Word of God, our core, the mission of God. And so you're going to be a part of making sure that this church stays the course, when you see a problem, it's because God's gifting you to be a solution to that problem. Don't pile on. Don't throw gasoline on the fire. Uh, you see that there's a fire, go put it out. Yeah. I mean, that's, you're, you've got that insight because God wants to use you to be a part, of the, a part of the solution, not to compound the problem. And so with that kind of regular, constant communication, again, just like the mission, uh, the philosophy of biblical ministry, um, um, the, um, the um, faith-based view of the Word of God, the work of God, that gets worked into the announcements, that gets worked into the preaching. The biblical principles are always being worked into all of our communication. And what's happened is we've got a lot of unity at MBT. We really do. People are for each other. People cut each other slack. It's, it's a family. They, they love each other. Um, 
you know, I don't know of a Tuesday night meeting uh, outside of when it was icing, the roads were icing over and we had to cut a meeting short. Um, we had people cleared out by 9 o'clock that, that Tuesday night. The building was shut down. Uh, it never shuts down before 10. Uh, there's always, I, I'm usually out of the building by 10 o'clock-ish on Tuesday nights, sometimes 11. Uh, but there are just people just visiting, enjoying one another. It's very healthy, you know. Uh, we don't run people out. Um, we will sometimes send the hint, like if, you know, but it's always one of the young, we're always training the young guys. Okay, so that's a beautiful thing about always training leaders. Um, there's always some young guy that doesn't have a lot going on tomorrow, and it's his job to lock up the building. And if he needs to stay up till midnight, he can do it, you know. That's not a problem. Let's take care of the business of the relationships of the church. And after service is a great way to support that. Does that make sense? Um, you know, if it's ridiculous, obviously, he's going to boot them out. N nobody's going to stay up till 3 in the morning <laughs> visiting in the church. That's abuse, right? The guy's got to lock up, you know. But up till, you know, we'll tell him, hey, you know, you could, you're good till 11. You're, you're good. Okay, all right, you know. So what's happened is our staff, nobody wants, you know, nobody wants to leave MBT, uh, people will ask me every once in a while, hey, do you mind if I contact Pastor so-and-so or this person or that person in your church about, you know, taking a role with us? I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, whatever God wants. You can go, go talk to them and, and I'll support you in that. Um, but it has to be, they have to hear from the Lord. I'm not going to tell them what, what they have to do because I know I've got plans. Like if, they're, if God doesn't have them working with you, um, so help us God by his grace, we're going to be ascending church, and we're going to send people to multiply Midtown Baptist Temple and other places around the world. And so, uh, if you don't get them, I already know I've got them, and I'm, I'm, I'll eventually boot them. <laughs> you know, but they'll be excited to go. Outside of that scenario, people don't want to leave. Okay, the staff that we have, um, we just keep adding to it. We haven't lost a staff in. in we turned 11 last year. We haven't lost a staff member. Um, and we've had to work out a lot of junk. You know, there have been a lot of disagreements over the years. There's been a lot of issues. There's been a lot of surmising that had to get cleaned out. And uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. What's beautiful is, is you see two people, especially on a staff, and I've seen this. I've seen a lot of <laughs> Midtown in the first place I've, I've been on staff. I've seen a lot of staff disagreement and staff uh, contention and conflict. And uh, when the staff is divided, know of a surety that the congregation is divided. Because, you know, they're supposed to be mature, but they're running their wicked mouth to members. And, uh, you know, and so that's, that's, don't be naive, that's a thing. And they'll, you know, they'll, they'll try to act mature and holy, but they're going to have a confident or 50 that they can, you know, be accountable to in the congregation. And it just kind of, and, and they're trying to communicate in a holy way, but, but they're also very clearly communicating that pastor so-and-so is a wicked son of a whore, just in a very subtle spiritual way. <laughs> and now there are members in the church that have distrust for pastor so-and-so, and that's okay because, you know, the church is growing, and, and I don't have to follow him. I've got, I've got this godly man here, you know. Like, it's just so subtle, 
And then the leaven creeps in, and pretty soon the whole lump is just full of evil surmising. And I mean, Satan's good at this. Okay, so there's not a staff that's going to agree on everything all the time. It's just never going to happen. And so, so I always, as a pastor, I give a little space. I'm, I believe that God is at work in my brothers and sisters. So I always start there. But then, uh, you know, I'll make a note. Okay, I see what's happening. This brother is very frustrated with this sister or that brother. And um, inevitably, you know, we run into each other. It's a small building. We run into each other, and, and uh, or we'll have something that we'll need to discuss regarding ministry. And then I'll just bring up, it's like, hey, you guys, uh, you know, you had that, that disagreement. Uh, is everything cool? Are you guys on the same page? And it's like... I'll get one or two response. Oh, yeah, we sat down. Everything's like, you know, we got this figured out. No problem. Or it's like, man, every time I bring this up, they, you know, it's like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I see what that is. I'll tell them, hey, just go talk to them. And here's the way you always start, okay? Uh, hey, man, I, I love you. And I, I know we're not seeing eye to eye on this. And, and, and God's got a way for this to work. In other words, if you start out with faith, uh, we're going to work this out. And even if we don't completely agree, we're still going to work this out. Uh, in other words, you're starting with God wins, and now it's safe, right? It's safe for us to disagree. It's safe for you to, to like, man, you can tell me anything. You can tell me I, like, I, I'm, I get in your way or I step on your toes all the time. You can tell me I'm like the biggest idiot you know. I already know that. <laughs> I love you. There's nothing you can tell me that is going to cause me to throw you away. Let's work this out. Let's just figure out how to move forward. And then God's people do. What's amazing is it's just like any tear in the body. When it heals back, that scar tissue that builds around that wound makes a tighter bond. Like you're stronger. Like when a bone breaks, for example, where it heals, it's actually stronger there than it was before. It's very, it, it actually becomes increasingly harder for it to break in that place ever again. You know, it'll break somewhere else, but it's probably not going to break there again. Well, working through that dysfunction, working through those problems actually strengthens. We were talking about this yesterday. You know, the body is building up antibodies against division. You actually know how to. You successfully work through issues enough times where you realize all of a sudden it hits you. There's nothing I can't work out with anyone. You know, let's just go do it. <laughs> you know, and so it's a, it's a very beautiful, it's a very healthy thing. I haven't lost a staff member. And I'll, and I'll just tell you, you, at Midtown Baptist Temple, the staff is, I don't want to get in the way of anything that God is doing with anyone. And so if, if, if somebody from MBT needs to be serving on staff at Decatur Baptist, man, praise the Lord. Um, if you can get them, you can have them. You know, you're going to have your work cut out for you getting them because they're happy, right? They want, they're excited about what we're doing. They see that the king, we're not just playing church. We're not just holding services. They see that the kingdom, is what we were talking about theoretically in the first five years when we were a church plant, now that we're entering into maturity in these last five years, they're seeing the reality of everything that we were trusting God for. And now the kingdom is beginning to multiply and they're fired up. You know, we get to be a part of something that, is that will. So help us God by his grace produce disciples if the Lord tarries in every nation, every tribe, every tongue, we're going to meet people that are great, 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 great grandbabies in the faith, and it's, 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 it's going to be awesome. It's wonderful to be a part of that. Okay, does this make sense? It's the biblical principles that once we learn how to think, 
Not everything is tied to the pastor anymore. People can do ministry and they can work out problems themselves. And so there's an introductory content here. And basically it's the principles are designed to enable people to be free to minister about the building, about the city, about their ministry. And so I'll just very briefly walk you through these. This could be actually I'm in the process of working up a a 16-credit-hour LFBI course on ministry by biblical principles. And, um, and so there's a lot that goes into each of these processes. I'll, I'll tell you this, switching to this approach to ministry was kind of a battle for Chris and I. We spent six months trying to figure out, this could be a list of 30 principles. You get that, right? Uh, we wanted to keep it as short as we could so that people could actually have a shot at remembering them. And uh, we wanted to keep it as core to the mission as we could, because the more complexity that you give something, the more you're ratcheting up the potential that nobody's going to follow it. Okay, so this is why I said yesterday, you don't need a 100-part plan. You need a way that you roll, right? You don't need a 100-step procedure. You need a few principles that guide you in your pastoring. Uh, Give the Holy Spirit latitude. Let him lead you let, you, let him guide you. But if you're thinking biblically in terms of a few core, very solid biblical principles, you're going you're gonna to get to home base every time. Okay. So principle number one, we're a house of prayer. We've talked about this. Okay. Um, but this ought to just, this ought to, what we're, here's what we're shooting for. Prayer ought to be just how we are. It's, prayer should be just how we roll. When God's people come together, we pray. So we pray when we meet. Uh, we, we make prayer together a part of everything that we do together. In other words, if the kids are getting together, we ought to talk to the Father, right? That ought to just be the basic principle. So when we meet, let's open in prayer. Uh, Whenever we're done meeting, let's commit everything that was worked out in the meeting to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Let's pray together over souls. When we meet for Bible study, let's let's pray over what we're learning. Um, But then, obviously, the big drum that we're beating is the Tuesday night corporate prayer ministry, because that's where the big heavy lifting gets done. Um, I am personally convinced that I cannot count the number of Bible studies that our members have started. We can't, I, I, there's no way to keep up with that. Um, we may come up with some kind of a digital tracking system, I don't know. But we have all these Bible studies all over our metro because we pray. And so God's opening doors. I mean, he's actually opening doors for us. And so we're getting to lead people to Christ, not in just a five-minute presentation, but over five weeks or five months of starting in Genesis and ending up with Jesus. So that's ministry principle number one. Ministry principle number two, we're always making disciples. We're always making disciples. And so whatever we're doing in terms of our ministry activity, if we can't see that it's actually producing disciples, then guess what? We have a form of godliness, (laughs) right? But where's the reality of God in our life, in our ministry? Okay, this would be one of the, the things. You know, if somebody's coming to me, um, and this happens all the time because so many people do get the pulpit, so many people are being identified as leaders, uh, it's very common people will come up to me and say, hey, pastor, you know, um, when can I preach? <laughs> you know, I, I want to I preach more. Or, uh, hey, hey, pastor, you know, can I, can I lead in, in some area of, of ministry? And I'll be like, yeah, man, uh, you, let, let, let's start this. <laughs> start this week. Um, you know, let's pray about who God's going to open a door uh, of utterance for you. 
you know, so you can get the Bible open and, and preach to them Jesus, you know. Because I'm not going to actually start putting you in front of the whole body when you're not fruit-bearing. Are you kidding? I mean, come on. Let's trust the Lord for some maturity in your life. Let's, let's see you get full of faith and trust God for his promises over your life. Abide in him. He's a, 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 he abides in you. Bear some fruit, you know. Uh, let's start there. Okay? Because if you're not fruit-bearing, why do I want to hear anything that you have to say from a position of authority? I mean, I'm, I'm always willing to talk. I mean, come on, let's reason together. Let's, let's help each other. Let's build each other up. But, but you're not somebody that's going to lead God's people corporately until you're fruit-bearing personally. Does that make sense? So what happens now is, is because people, were, you know, every member a minister, okay? That's one of the mottos. And so people can get busy with ministry activity. So a lot is happening. They're very busy. They have a very packed schedule. But where are the disciples? And that's, for me, that's what I'm always looking for. Somebody will say, oh, man, we, we went out on the streets and we had 15 professions of faith. Um, what will come out of my mouth many times, hey, yeah, man, praise the Lord. That's awesome. You know, because I know some of them probably did make a genuine profession of faith. I really do. And so I don't want to do anything to throw a wet blanket on that. But in terms of 15 people making a profession of faith, are you... Okay, there's a sense in which you can say whoop-de-doo because that's not the mission. That's just one, that's the starting place to begin the mission. And I'll ask, you know, are any of them with you here this morning? You know, I mean, if they made professions on Friday, um, can I meet some of them on Sunday? Like, did you... Did you, was a baby birthed out in the wild and then abandoned? Or, you know, what's, what's going on, you know? This is why we're pushing Bible studies as our primary, like, like please, if you've got five minutes to share the gospel, do that, you know? I mean, that, come on, that's, give out a track, do that. But uh, our gospel work must be producing disciples. Otherwise, we're not obeying the work that the Lord commanded over our lives. And so, if, it's, if what I'm doing, if my ministry activity isn't falling out to, in some way, if I can't see how it's supporting the discipleship ministry or producing disciples for that ministry, I'm playing at it. I'm, I'm, it's, not, it's not what the king commanded. And so I need to step back and I need to retool. Okay, so people that want to preach, they want to teach. Can I teach an LFBI class? Show me your students. You know? I mean, that's really how it works. Uh, you may know a lot, but I'm not interested in hearing what you know if I can't see the fruit that follows what you're communicating. Does that make sense? That's, that's a good principle, right? We're always making disciples. Um, principle number three, we have a final authority. Uh, for our English-speaking ministers, that is the King James Bible. We have a final authority. I don't correct. Now, I will say this. I know there's some in our fellowship that, that would say, um, man, I don't want to hear a Greek word in the pulpit. Okay, I'm not in that camp personally, and I don't actually, I never quote the Greek for the Greek's sake. I just use that as an anchor point to say how the King James translators translated that word in other places in the authorized version. In other words, here is the word that God gave us in English. You need to know it has a lot of first cousins or siblings in the Bible. Okay, they're part of the same family. And so this same word was translated 
five other ways. It's the same word, right? But it's the, you need to know what God is. It gives, it gives definition to the word. And so I'm not above doing that. And I hope if that offends you, I pray God's grace over your life and, and uh, you give me some grace. But uh, nobody will ever hear me correct the King James Bible. Um, no way. Okay, I'm not qualified. I'm too dumb. But more than that, I tremble to do it because I believe that God superintended the translation. Uh, that James gang, oh my goodness. Uh, the scholarship that was assembled, I mean, if we want to talk about scholarship, the scholarship that was assembled to produce that translation of the Bible, the world has never seen it and will never see it again. And the people who are translating the Bible today, uh, they don't even believe that Christ was born of a virgin. Are you kidding me? You know, you've got people that do not believe that Christ bodily resurrected and they're, trans they're pumping out Bible translations. No thank you, okay? <laughs> the promise is we have a more sure word of prophecy that we would do well to take heed. Okay, so um, if you're teaching in English, you're thumping a King James Bible or so help me God, you're not teaching. <laughs> You know, and so, and every once in a while, a newbie will, will, will come on and, and, and they'll get through the whole new members process. They'll go through COD and they'll agree to everything and then, you know, they'll want to thump their ESV, um, you know, in a Bible study. And, and again, if a member, if, if somebody new got super excited and, and they started a Bible study with a lost and they had an ESV, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't panic about that. I mean, I just really wouldn't. Come on. Uh, they're going to, God's at work. And the thing that I, you know, I'm in the camp that says God's a big man and he does a really good job representing himself, you know. And if somebody comes to MBT for any length of time, they can't miss it. Uh, the book we're, we're thumping, it's alive and it works. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I hear all the time, you know, people will say, well, you can't actually use the King James Bible. You might as well be speaking another language to people. Well, my kids, um, they, they take Shakespeare, they, they have a Shakespeare mo module in junior high, you know, in, in English, in their English literature class. And they got to actually learn what hark means. And if you can't actually give the answer for what hark means, you lose points. Like they, they demote you in your class standing because you didn't actually do the work of looking up a word. In third grade, they, they tell you to look up words if you don't know what they mean. And so, for, typically, for most people, it's growing. Our vocabulary is degrading. But for most people now, it's somewhere between 300 and 700 words you're going to go look up. And you can add three to 700 words to your vocabulary. It takes about three months. And then all of a sudden, you're understanding a King James Bible. Anybody can do it. I had a pastor tell me that. He said, Sam, you can't, you can't reach people with a King James Bible. Well, while he's telling me that, an international student from China who speaks English as a second language, was discipling an English speaker with a King James Bible. Just pick up a dictionary, you know. So I don't correct the Bible, the Bible corrects me. And you guys know this. You get a church where they're using multiple translations of the Bible. The final authority is the pastor in his opinion. doesn't matter. That's not how we're going to roll. What the book says, that's what rules, not miles, okay? And you, that, by extension, that means you don't get to be a tyrant in your ministry leadership. What the book says rules, not you, okay? It is interesting. You'll see this often. Um, you're the pastor, 
and you have a way that you pastor, you have a way that you roll, there will be leaders that will come up under you that will take authority that you would never dream of taking. That's immaturity. And you can work with them, right? Like, um, you know, sometimes, like anything related to children's ministry, adults are never alone with children, right? We know this, okay? So for the accountability, uh, to protect our backside legally, I mean, all of that for our insurance, like your insurance agent probably mandates that in your children's ministry. Um, you know, so you'll, every once in a while there'll be some leader that thinks they're the stuff and, and they think they can grab a, a kid and, you know, maybe there's a kid that needs to go to the restroom or something to take them in there. I would never do that. I'm the senior pastor. Like, I've never had an accusation leveled against me. I don't even think, I don't even know of a false accusation leveled against me on anything that would disqualify me. And, and, and then to sit down with the young leader and say, you know, I'm the senior pastor and I wouldn't do that. And, and you're, you're very bold to do that. Uh, let's go back to the books and let's look at this thing. Um, the Bible says, flee. In other words, this didn't come out of a vacuum. We're rolling the way that we're rolling because the scripture says what it says. And so we're going to flee the appearance of evil. And you need to understand this because whenever you're in a place where you're leading people in ministry, you don't want to make provision for the flesh. You don't want to let your good be evil spoken of. And so we'll just roll through the biblical principles. Here's why you don't want to take the easy, convenient way when you're doing ministry. Go The hard, right way is worth, it's worth it. Trust me, there's a reason for this. Let's do it, okay? Our members are accountable in the word. Okay, nobody gets to lead if they're not accountable in the word. And so this is everything from a discipleship relationship to leading a Bible study. Um, you want to be accountable with your brothers and sisters in the word of God. If the members are just attending and if their accountability is Sunday morning, come on, you know we've got people who come in, they're, they're posers. And so they're setting in services. That is not a proving process. The people that you want leading in ministry are the people who are saying, brother, I need you in my life. Let's, let's get in the word together because I need to grow. And I know I'm not going to grow the way that I'm supposed to because I've read Ephesians chapter 4. That is a body process. And so the members fitly join together. We are building one another up in our faith. That's how we get to the head, to the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is how we know our Bible so that we're not tossed to and fro by the deceiving doctrines that are out there. I need accountability in the word because whenever I think I see something in scripture, I have to bounce that off of someone because it's your job to tell me if I'm cray cray, <laughs> right? Um, if I'm seeing something in the Bible and you can't see it, it's probably because I'm an idiot. Um, if I'm seeing it and it's really there, you're gonna be able to see it too. Our members are accountable in the word. Why? Because we don't want grievous wolves to rise up and draw away disciples after themselves. Our members are accountable in the word of God. If I see it, you should be able to see it. Number five, our members engage in ministry service. Okay, so this is the way this works in most churches. People come in and they think the church is a country club. And what services and amenities are you providing for me? And if it's not nice enough, if it isn't sharp enough, if it isn't hitting all my buttons, well then I'm gonna go down the street and I'm gonna join the country club that has all the services that I deserve. That's the way most people think today. I wanna to join the best church that has the best programs, the most amenities that'll be, and what they're doing is they're rounding out their spiritual life. They wanna be rounded out as a person. Well, that ain't us. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle! <laughs> I mean, 
you, if you think you're rolling into Midtown Baptist Temple to, to, to be pampered, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, somebody's going to be, uh, move over. Somebody, you know, hey, if you've got, you got strong legs, that's a lap for somebody to set in. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what to, this may not be, be your church. Um, our members engage in ministry service. And so what that means is whenever you see a problem, it's not so you can criticize. It's because you get to serve the body in making up that lack and making up that difference. And the language that you're looking for is this. I don't know why they, and then fill in the blank. Oh, they, huh? <laughs> I see where you're coming from. It's us versus them, or it's me versus them. You haven't been fitly joined to the body. Yeah. Let me tell you a great way that you can be fitly joined to the body at Midtown Baptist Temple. Here's a broom. Here's a dustpan. Here's a toilet. Here's a brush. Um, you know, mommies diaper their babies. Why? Because they love them, and it builds a bond that is unbreakable. You want me to hand you a mic? Um, let's see how you work this toilet wand. Work that mic. In other words, I don't care what you have to say to God's people until I've seen you laying down your life serving God's people. And there are problems in every church, and that's why you're here. You're adding to those problems. You're helping round out our problem portfolio, but you're also the solution to these problems. There is no perfect church. You guys have heard the joke. You know, if there is, you go join it. Now it's not perfect anymore. So, so the, that language of, you know, why do they, you know, why is the pastor always, you know, the pastors or the staff or, you know, it's always an us versus them kind of mentality. Well, that goes away when you own the ministry. And you know somebody owns the ministry when they, when they see the bride of Christ for who she is. And she's got pimples, you know, but she's beautiful, you know. And uh, on this side of glory, sometimes she forgets her deodorant. Maybe she missed a day on her bath. But, man, she's a babe. She's a knockout. I mean, she is worth laying your life down for. And so if you're a member here, membership means ownership. Members, the support looks like the tithe. It looks like time. It looks like your gifting, your talent. That will be invested in the body of Christ moving forward. And if you're not, then you're not a member. Okay, so this is why we, I mean, we hire cleaning services to do the things that need to be done at a deep level or professionally, but every member gets herded onto a ministry cleaning team, okay? Up until uh, LFBI has just totally eaten my lunch uh, in the entire lifetime, the, the, the last couple of years, this is the first time in the history of our church where I have not personally led at least one of our cleaning teams, so in other words, and to this day, if there's a mess, I grab a, group, a broom and I go clean it up. To this day, people see me running a vacuum. Um, why? Because our leaders, this is point number six, our leaders are servant leaders. Okay, so we don't spend a lot of money on maintenance. We don't spend a lot of money on cleaning. We don't spend a lot of money on, you know, amenities to pamper our country club members. That's our job. This is our house. We're going to clean it. And it is. It's a beautiful thing. The more, the more work, whether it's taking groceries to somebody that's in need, um, providing meals when there's, a, when there's a, a medical problem, the more work that the church does in meeting the needs of the body, the more they own that relationship. The, the, the members need to serve. The leaders need to serve. Okay. So if you want to lead worship, you show me how you can clean a toilet. Because I don't care how good you can sing. If you're too good to clean toilets at Midtown Baptist Temple, you are too good to lead us in worship. You're just too great. 
go somewhere else. <laughs> Our leaders are servant leaders. Why? I mean, Christ didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He didn't come to be ministered to. He came to minister. He was rich. He became poor for our sakes. He left glory to be born into humanity so that he could lay his life down serving us. Man, I want to be like Jesus, don't you? It is so good for your church to see you working. So I, you get, um, pastors, you get a lot of get a lot of street cred with your church when they see you sweating. It is when they see you eagerly, gladly working your tail off to make sure that the building's ready for Sunday. Uh, they see you show up on a work day. They, they'll see you, you know, um, maybe the family's there and they took a picture of you with uh, the, the, the deacons that went to the hospital or whatever. Maybe you're, again, I do very little of the hospital visits, you know, but I'll still do it, you know. Uh, when the church sees you serving the body in very practical, physical, difficult ways, um, they will say things like, I didn't know pastors did that. If I've heard that one time at MBT, I've heard it a thousand times. I didn't know pastors did that. You know, on the work day, <laughs> we, had a, we were demoing some of the building to, to um, um, make way for this next phase of remodeling. Okay, it was last August. And so I was part of the demo team. And we were jackhammering a, a um, this building was built, in, you know, around 1900. And so it's, it's like this big giant rock, you know. And so we're hammering out a fireplace to make room for a couple closets. Because we were never going to, I mean, we were never going to, nobody wants to die of carbon monoxide poisoning. I mean, we were never <laughs> going to use that fireplace. And it'd be, you know, it's kind of nice. I, I, I wanted a bathroom off my office, you know, because it's kind of sometimes it's, that's handy, you know. And I'm getting older. And so half of it is a, a place to do my business, and the other half is storage. And, and, uh, and so I'm on the, you know, I'm like, I'm going to get the most benefit out of this. So I'm on, the, I'm on the fireplace team. And it was hot. And I come out of that. I mean, I'd been hammering in there for 30 or 40 minutes, and my arms are starting to twitch. And I'm like, I need a break. And, and somebody said, hey, the new members class is downstairs. Uh, it'd be good for them to meet the pastor. And so I roll in there, and I've got two spots for eyes, you know. <laughs> I'm just drenched, just pouring sweat. And I walked into the new members class, and I'm like, hey, suckers. We told you it's a new members class, but uh, we've got the hammers. We've got the stuff that proves the buckets are upstairs, the bucket brigade, and we're just going to, I mean, membership means responsibility. Welcome to your job. <laughs> I mean, I was just joking. But it was funny because half that class caught me later and said, I have never seen a pastor get their hands dirty. How do you have time for this? I'm like, well, I, I was only half joking when I came down. This is your job, you know. We're always training leaders. We're always training leaders, and I'm not going to go into this. This is all we've been talking about this week. You want to teach your leaders. You want to train your leaders. You want to task them. You want to identify them. You want to envision them to own the ministry for themselves. And so if what you're doing in ministry, if it's not multiplying ministry multipliers, you're playing at it. And so you want to trust the Lord to lead you in your local church context. How do you grow leaders so that the ministry can multiply? We talked about number eight. We protect unity. Um, that one probably gets a full third of the communication in terms of the principles. Because nothing helps you forget the Bible like a little conflict. 
So we're, we need to be put in remembrance of these things. And then number nine, we minister in light of spiritual realities. Um, in other words, in one sense, you can say this is our catch-all principle, but really the big things that we want to make sure people understand is the devil is always at work. God's always at work, but the devil's always at work. And so don't be foolish. Be wise. Be circumspect. Okay, we got to be full of the Spirit. We live in evil days, right? Um, uh, we're, make no mistake, it's a war. And for us, we forget that, but it's a psychops war. Um, and if you're not... If you're not re- if you're not responding to that, if you're not counteracting that, it's getting over on you. And all that has to happen is you've got sister, these are the worst ones. It's sister so-and-so against sister what's-her-face. And man, they just need a brother to help them get together and just see, hey, we, just to be calm, we can work this out. We love each other. You know, sometimes we need a group hug. <laughs> Um, the devil is always at work. Um, with brothers, it's, you know, the other guy's evil for some reason. You know, he's two-faced, he's whatever. Uh, no, man, if he's wicked, well, then let's get rid of him. But if he's weak, right, then we can work with that. Right? I can't work with wickedness. If you know what's right, but you hate what's right, or you refuse to do what's right, I, I can't help you. Uh, but if you're weak, man, welcome to the club. We can work this out. You can fall down, you know. I mean, you can fall down seven times. You're going to get back up again because I'm here to help you up. You know, I'm not going to let you just lay on the ground. So the devil's always at work, but God's always at work. Uh, we minister in light of spiritual reality because we're full of faith, right? That's what the principle is saying. And I'll say this all the time. Uh, there's nothing like getting full of faith to, to, to see God work in a marriage. There's nothing like, your kids are rebelling. Get full of faith. Love them. <laughs> right? Parent them. Uh, Mom, dad, lay down your life loving that kid. Don't compromise on what the Bible says, but, but get full of faith that God's going to give you that kid's heart. And then once you have that kid's heart, man, you can tear up their behind in Jesus' name, and it'll actually do something. Or you can have the hard conversation, and they'll respond to it. But if the kid thinks that you despise them, they're not going to receive anything from you. They can't wait to get out of your house. But if you have your kid's heart, you know, it's kind of like you'll kind of have to like, hey, it's time to leave the nest. You can do it, man. I, I, we've been doing reps, man. You can fly. Uh, it's, a, it's a cool thing. It's very exciting. Same thing with your brother. If you don't have your brother's heart, you can't have conversations. You can't, you can't deal with hard stuff. Um, so there's a rupture. Man, get full of faith. Go grab your brother. They, they don't know it, but that's what they want. <laughs> We minister in light of spiritual realities. Those are the nine principles. The church in Tampa added a tenth, and they said we're always fishing. Uh, we talk about that, and we're always making disciples. But, man, hey, praise the Lord, you know. Maybe God gives you six principles or whatever. These are the principles that we knew that we needed so that people would quit coming to me for everything. And you know what? What's beautiful now is, is the growing leaders, like, it's rolling. The only people who come to me for everything are the new people that think that they have to come to the pastor for everything. In other words, the, 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 the person at Midtown Baptist Temple that is wearing me out, it's always the person that's new. It's because they just don't know how we roll. You know, man, praise the Lord. It's awesome. And once I get them hooked up with a discipler, I'm, I'm home free. <laughs> They're on the path to growth. Okay, we got just a few minutes. Let me lay out uh, some final concepts and maybe a, cha- a, a challenge. Um, 
pastor, you have to recognize you're a builder. Okay, this is critical. You are a builder. And there are only two blueprints. This is what you need. Most pastors don't recognize this, but they're only, you're building one of two towers. Was it Tolkien? The two towers? Is that right? Uh, you're building one of two towers. And uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of, is it Sauron? I should have nerded up before I got into this session. Uh, a lot of pastors are building the, the eye of, okay, so if we're not negligent, we're going to be building a Genesis chapter 11 tower. So the commission in Genesis chapter 9 is be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Okay, so which tower, this one of two towers, Okay, which tower are you building? Well, the one is man's tower. So God says, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. What man says is, eh, not today. <laughs> Genesis chapter 11, they said to one another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Okay, so if the tower that you're building is, is I want to get my name in Christianity today, I want to be somebody, I want to be recognized, I want to write an article and people read it, I want to trend on Facebook and Instagram, um, then what's going to be, and, and the way we operate in the flesh, uh, especially as men, we want to build empire, we want to build territory, and it's very hard to lose people, right? If people, like if you go plant a church, for example, you just lose a bunch of people and a bunch of money, and now you're set back in terms of your local church ministry. Does that make sense? In other words, planning churches actually hurts you. Uh, giving birth, uh, they say that's as close to death as a woman comes and still remain healthy. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it hurts. It costs. It sets you back physically. And so it's like nobody wants to go through that. I mean, who wants to go through the agony of childbirth? Well, if you want a baby, you'll do it, <laughs> you know? Um, but it's, it's counterintuitive. If I send people, right, if I train up leaders and let them lead, well, they're going to want to go lead somewhere else, and, and then I don't have the help that I need here. And, 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 and what we typically will not admit to ourselves is this. Okay, so, you know, um, I, I won't make the jokes, but you can work it out for yourself. Most pastors, especially senior pastors, are kind of like junior high boys, and they want to know who physically has the most prowess. And that determines the pecking order. And what that looks like in church world is the person with the biggest church absolutely becomes a leader because he must know what he's doing. Well, okay, you know, so let's get Joel Olstein into the Living Faith Fellowship because that cat has a big church. Let's find out what he's doing. Um, bigger is not always better. <laughs> okay, so... The approach in the Genesis 11 power, tower is, is we got to keep, how do we get as many people gathered? And the more we gather people, the more our rep will go up. And what happens is, is we're not making a name for God, are we? We're making a name for ourselves. That is the Genesis chapter 11 tower. And I want to submit to you, that's the tower that most pastors are building. It's horrible, but that's what, that's, that's the, okay, God has a tower. God's tower is found in Luke chapter 14. This is why everybody starts in Luke chapter 14 in our cost of discipleship class, okay? So the multitudes are following, and he says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Following Jesus is going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your family. It's going to cost you your life. 
And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, setteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether ye have sufficient to build it? Lest happily after he laid the foundation and is not able to finish, and all the behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Before you begin to build, before you engage in the work, engage in the battle, you've got to count the cost. See, the Luke 14 tower, that's a tower we give up everything to build. The Genesis 11 tower is we're keeping everything to build. You see the difference? In Genesis 11, we keep. In Luke 14, we give. In Genesis 11, it's all about making a name for ourselves, and the, and the motivation is pride. In Luke 14, we give everything, and the goal is God's glory. So what it does is it sets the bar biblically. Men have something. If you will build the, 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 the Luke 14 tower, now you have something that people can get excited about. Why? Because it's something that you can actually lay your life down. It's actually worthy. It's worth laying your life down to build. And this is, what's, and this is the part that a lot of pastors miss, is that's, that's something that God put in the heart of his people. They want something to live for. And they know it's really worth living for if it's worth giving up everything to be a part of it. It's worth laying their lives down for. People don't want to waste their lives. They want to lay them down. And whenever you compromise the Bible and you compromise biblical principles because you're building a country club, you don't want them to leave. You want the visitors to stay. And so you, you, you know, you're taking this hard stand on the Bible publicly, but then privately, you know, you're like, hey, come on, you know, let me find a way to massage you and keep you happy and keep you coming. And there's a sense in which, yeah, I get we're fishing. We're ministers of reconciliation. We're always fishing. We don't want to scare the fish off. But really, at the end of the day, what's the goal? God's glory or your rep as the biggest church in the fellowship, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> That's, um, man, I think about Mark Schaefer in Tampa, Florida, and he's down there meeting with about 40 people. Um, I won't tell him this to his face. That dude's a stud. <laughs> he is in a hard place doing hard work. Man, I mean, he is trusting God to carve out a, a disciple-making ministry out of the fabric of Tampa. I mean, how awesome is that? And he's not doing it. I mean, he's just subtle. He's quiet. Uh, you'll never hear him crow, publish. Pu I mean, he's just doing the work. And little by little, soul by soul, God is using this guy. And so help us, God, by his glory, by his grace, a disciple-making, leadership-equipping, leadership-enabling ministry is growing in Tampa, Florida. Does that make sense? I mean, like, that's, that's probably where it's happening, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's where it's at. Uh, you, get, you get a big church. whoop de freaking do What's coming out of it, you know? And so that Luke 14 tower, if you're going to build it, you have to pay a price. And so that's your last blink. There is a cost of discipleship for pastors. As pastors, it's easy to say to, to new people coming in, um, not just anybody can be a disciple of Christ. There's a cost. And uh, at Midtown, we say, man, we would love to disciple everybody, but the only people we can disciple are those that say, I'm at the place where now I recognize I'm going to live my life according to what God's Word says. So I'm going to give my life to studying God's Word, and then I'm going to follow it, not by my opinion or my fancy, Right? What the Word says is God's rule over my life. I'm going to take up my cross and follow Christ. I get Luke 14. Then we'll pair you up with someone. Well, guess what, Pastor? There is a cost of a discipleship ministry for you. You have to pay a price. If you're going to build Luke 14 as a local church, it's going to cost you everything. 
what will it cost you to have a discipleship ministry in your church? What is the cost of discipleship for pastor? Well, Genesis 11 is not the house that God builds. If your ministry isn't costing you people, then you have a Genesis 11 tower that you're building. It'll, if you're going to have a discipleship ministry, it will cost you people because they'll be built up and they'll go out. It'll cost you size. You peel off 20 people to go to Vietnam and plant a church, they're your 20 best people, right? It's always the pioneers that go. It's always the hard workers that go. But if you don't get full of faith and send them, then there's no vacuum left in the church that other people can rise up into and fill. Like, what in the world? Oh, ye of little faith. I can't live without Andrew Ong. What am I going to do? What's FOI going to do if Andrew Ong goes to Vietnam? I mean, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what are we going to do? Man, I don't know. God knows what he's going to do. Right? We're going to get full of faith, and so help us God by his grace. We're going to go from strength to strength. We're going to go from faith to faith. That's what's going to happen. And so it's going to cost you your very best because God doesn't settle for anything less. So you've got to give it the first of who you are. The first of what you are as a local church, your best go. That's what it's going to cost you. And, oh, man, it is inconvenient. It's a little messy. Uh, there's always blood with childbirth, isn't there? But, oh, man, it's so precious to see kids grow up and thrive. And Okay, so it's going to cost you strength. It's going to cost you size. It's going to cost you fame. I mean, you're never, I mean if you're going to have a disciple-making ministry, in what universe does a church of 100,000 people make any sense? If you're multiplying leaders, if you're multiplying the pastorate, I think what you're doing is you're building a tower and a name for yourself so you can sell a lot of books and live in a $3 million house. I think that's what's happening. Um, I'm waiting for my mansion in heaven. That's, I, I have a retirement plan. I know what that looks like. I, I'm entrusting it to, not, don't get me wrong, I set money aside for whenever I'm old and infirm, but, but that's not what I'm, I'm not doing this for that. <laughs> Uh, there, is a ho there is a home in God's mansion that has, there's like a, uh, you know, a mailbox for me, you know. Uh, that's my retirement plan. It's going to cost you your fame because you're not going to be the guy that builds a 20,000-member church because you're going you're gonna to keep peeling people off, you know. And, and the size of your church, God will set you, maybe, maybe you reach maturity at a couple hundred. Maybe you reach maturity at a thousand or a couple thousand. I don't know. God knows. But the principle ought to look like you got, you know, if, if for us, we think we're going to be somewhere in that, when we hit full maturity, we'll be somewhere in that 700 to 900-ish range. And the goal is going to be that we're always winning 200 and discipling a core, and uh, 200 are going out the back door. That's kind of what we're trusting the Lord for. We'll know we have it when we see it. It's up to the Lord. Um, but in maturity, we're going to be birthing babies. I mean, that's just what mature people do. So it's going to cost you your people. And if you're doing that, you're going to lose a slick service. You're never going to come off as sharp and polished because it's always the amateurs running everything. And uh, it's, it's beautiful. But there's benefits, right? When we're building leaders, when a leader leaves, when a leader moves on, the next generation comes up and fills the vacuum. Uh, we have not one time hired from outside of MBT. Nor at this point do we want to. I mean, I'm sure you all have got good people, but you keep your people. We're so excited about the people that are coming up at MBT, and we want them to begin as an intern in ministry leadership. We want to mentor them in that, 
and then MBT is going to get excited about them going out or taking, one of them is going to take my place. Um, praise the Lord. I, mean, I think probably the next pastor of MBT is in the, in the student ministry or in Kaya right now, and I don't know who he is, but um, he's going to be my son. He'll be a son in the faith, and I'll be his biggest champion in that transition. Um, he won't have a better church member than me. And then I'm going to go visit my grandbabies and great-grandbabies. I'm going to, I want to visit the churches all over the world and confirm the saints and, and go hang out with the pastors and the missionaries that we sent out and, and, and just go support them, you know. Um, and if they'll have me, they can, they can roll my wrinkly old butt in a wheelchair into a Bible study, and I'll just soak it up and uh, maybe answer a question or something if I don't have dementia. There are benefits. I pray God's blessing over your lives, over your ministries. You know, the Lord promised that uh, he'd build his church, you know. Um, and I'm watching that happen. I mean, I, I, I really am. I've had people tell me, you know, Pastor, when are you going to have me preach at your church? And I'm thinking, dude, I've got 50 people in line ahead of you. Like, I want to preach sometime, you know. It's just awesome. Uh, this past Sunday, Vance Need preached. It was beautiful. It was powerful. It was straight. It was just, I'm sitting in the back of the church, you know. I just want to weep uh, for joy. You know, here's another generation coming up. We planted two churches, and, and um, I was prepping our church. I said, look, we're going to be depressed, and it's okay. Um, we're we're, we're going to be bumming for the next six months. It, it, it's going to suck seeing all these wonderful people go. So I'm prepping them. Man, we didn't have time. You know, the other thing that I kept saying over and over again is we're going to go from strength to strength. We're going to go from faith to faith. We're going to trust the Lord for that. We're not going to die in childbirth. So help us, God. We're going to get full of faith and do this. We're not going to just talk about it. Um, man, we didn't have time to be depressed. We sent out 60-some, almost 70 people, 60-some uh, people total, and between seventy dollars and $80,000 is what we projected was leaving with that first phase, which is going to be rough. That means we're scale them back. Um, it just blew up on us. I don't know what happened, but I couldn't keep up with it. It was March before I could look at the numbers. And our attendance was, all, our average attendance in March after the January sending was already higher than it was on our highest Sunday before we sent out those two groups. Does that make sense? Our average attendance was higher than our highest Sunday before that. And the giving what we lost had already doubled. What? Okay, Lord. <laughs> I get it. Um, I, whatever God's in, he can have it. You know, I want to support it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Father, bless my brothers and sisters. Give them wisdom. Uh, there's just principles that we've gotten this week, week that got to be worked out in their context. And so we're trusting you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.